And I really believe that um, God has a really important message in this to us today. Um, Now, he started talking to me about this story of David and Goliath. And it's a story that we're all so familiar with. It's a story that we all kind of know and have heard so many times. But as he um, led me to read through this story again... He was showing me things in there which I'd never really um, seen before and never really, I think, taken on board and applied to my own life. And I think God wants us to know and to realize this morning that he is bigger than any of the giants that we might be facing. Now, the second reason I believe God is really speaking to us about this this morning is because the past week leading up to today's service has been one where um, the enemy has really kind of come against me in a real way and in kind of the form of a bullying giant. And God has really walked me through that situation and showed me exactly actually how this story of David Goliath plays out in our lives now, today. And I'm going to share a little bit more about that with you in a moment. Now, I've always been a great admirer of David, and it's for good reason that he's mentioned in Hebrews in the Faith Hall of Fame. And in Acts 13.22, Paul recounts God describing David as a man after my own heart. So what was it then about David and a faith so strong in God that it inspired him to write some of the most beautiful Psalms, in fact, most of the Psalms, conquer Goliath, lead an army and become king. And is it just possible that we might be able to have that kind of faith too? Now, I'd like to start today by reading through the whole story of David and Goliath. Now, I appreciate this is quite long. I've timed it. It takes about seven minutes. Okay. So (laughs) the words are going to come up on the screen for you. But if you do have your Bibles with you, we're going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to be going from verse 1 straight the way through to verse 53. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll get stuck into the word of God. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that it speaks as much truth as it did back then when it was written as it does to us today in our lives, Lord. And we just pray as we look at this familiar story of David and Goliath again this morning, that you would really open up our eyes, Lord, afresh to the word and the truth that it reveals. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to identify the giants in our lives through this story. And Lord, learn how we in your name can conquer them. Amen. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Socor and Judah and Azekar in Ephesdamim. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Ella. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks to the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore a bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. 
Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you, you are just the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send a man who will fight me. When the Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Ediminab, and Shemir, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Ella, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and he set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Oh, have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel and the king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what would a man get for killing this Philistine? And end his defiance of Israel. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And then these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that's the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few little sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion 
or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. (laughs) All right, then go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armour, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David and his shield bearer ahead of him sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come here at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll show you your, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved to attack David, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and they ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph, and they rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sharem as far as Gath and Ekron. And then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. And it's an incredible story, isn't it? Just showing us that picture of how David, this shepherd boy, maybe only around 15, late teens years old, 
stood against a giant and defeated it. Now, I just wanted to start by sharing with you how God really worked this out in my life this week in exactly the same way as he kind of helped David. Um, so firstly, I should say that it came to light during a meeting that we had uh, earlier this week that um, Pete gets tested on the um, sermon that he's giving on that day. Rosie said, oh, yeah, you know, whenever Pete's giving a sermon, he seems to get a bit of a testing on it on the week up. So I'm going to bear that in mind next time and choose something like joy or peace or <laughs> not necessarily David and Goliath. <laughs> so... Um, so I'm the chairman of a large association through my work. Um, and anyone who's ever done a similar role, like a chairmanship or had any kind of responsibility like that, know that you only take that kind of position if you want a real kind of exercise in character building. That's the, the main outcome of anything like this. And you have to be willing to deal sometimes with some very strong characters. And now, sadly, we have one of these. And um, he has a bit of a tendency, sadly, to be a bit of a bully. And it's been going on for a really long time, and it's really unpleasant. I don't want to go into too much detail, but there was a meeting that I chaired this week, and I was put into a really difficult situation where from the front of the room, I kind of had to address this bully, publicly name him, and while he was still sat in the room, and say that I wouldn't stand for that behavior any longer and that it was wrong. And in a room full of my peers where the bully was present, it was really, really hard and it was stressful and it was emotional. But it was worth it. It was worth it because my first instinct is usually a human one. So I go in, in my own strength, with my own mind as to how this is going to turn out, how it's all going to plan out. It's all planned in my head. And usually it doesn't work. It doesn't pan out well. But I had a heads up. I knew that this situation was coming. And I was prepared. And I used everything that God had been speaking to me about over the past few months. I prayed and I asked God to give me patience, to give me humility and to give me a spirit of David. And to cover me in the blood of Jesus for protection against the arrows of the evil one. I asked him to take over the situation for me. And more importantly, I got some very close friends and people who I love and trust completely to pray for me and to cover me in that situation. And I have to say, despite the situation being entirely uncomfortable and unpleasant and completely out of my control, God was with me and he showed that he is bigger than any giant that I face in that situation. How do I know? Because I had a level of cool which wasn't natural to me. (laughs) And because what I said gave others the confidence in the room to actually stand up and say, no, you know what, I don't find this behavior acceptable either. So afterwards, I had so many people say to me that they couldn't believe how how I remained professional in that situation and that I was able to kind of keep my cool and handle it well. And it allowed me then in this um, kind of forum where where I work with many people that don't believe in God or don't know God, I was able to say, well, thank you, that's great. But it's funny you should say that as I'm preaching my church on Sunday and David and Goliath. And I think God showed me today that he is bigger than any of those giants that we face. And our own personal giants will be very different to each and every one of us. And there are usually many in various forms and they overlap. Our giants, they can be external things. They can be things like bullies or our finances or our relationships. But they can be internal things like our temptation or our pride or our self-control. 
They can be things which we really, really hate and we just fight against them and we just really don't want them to be a part of our lives. But also, if we're honest, and if I'm being honest, they can equally be like a cosy friend, something that we've grown comfortable with and just accept as being a part of our lives. And it's a real problem when we become really good friends with the giants in our lives and have maybe given up believing that God is bigger than them and it's just who we are. So we all know this guy, right? The big friendly giant, the BFG. This is one of my favourite books growing up, I have to say, and there's obviously been various films made since, which are brilliant. But does this picture of the young orphan girl Sophie talking to the giant ring any bells with you? If we are being really honest with ourselves, do we sometimes view our own giants a bit like this? Sitting down, talking to them like our friend, sharing a snozcumber maybe? <laughs> Sometimes it's just much more comfortable for us to accept the giant in our lives than it is to find the strength to fight it. It might be that at some point in our lives, someone has just put a label on you and that you've chosen to believe it. It might be, you know, oh, you're just an angry type of person or you'll never amount to anything anyway, or you just don't have the strength or the courage to take that on or any of those things and we believe it. And it can be easy to accept these and really take them into our hearts and make them a part of our personality. Well, God especially wants these types of giants out of our lives. Why? Because he's a jealous God and he wants us to be spending our time with him and growing our relationship with him. If we're so busy building the relationships that we have with our giants, then we are allowing them to build the character within us rather than building God's character within us. We start to resemble them and look less like God. So let's talk about then some of the giants that we might be facing. And there's going to be some kind of lists coming up and they're not exhaustive. And, you know, I'm going to freely admit here that I can sadly relate to many more of these and I care to kind of admit. So let's start with them. Fear. Fear can be really debilitating, but we are told in Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. Grief. Worry, rejection, being rejected by people, especially those close to us, can have a profound effect on us and how we see ourselves and how we behave towards others. No self-control. Many of us have a sin in our lives which we just can't seem to stop ourselves from repeating time and time again. Jealousy. Big one, comfort and complacency. So David just had to step out of his comfort zone to defeat Goliath. God works through us, mostly and usually from a place of discomfort in our lives. Why? So we learn to trust him, so we can grow, so that the glory of God can be more obviously displayed. And when we become too comfortable where we are, we can succumb to the danger of being fearful of stepping out for God if the situation makes us uncomfortable. There's self-image, shame, 
anger, lack of self-worth, guilt. Mental health, whether it be depression, anxiety, self-harm, anorexia, bulimia. Physical health, sickness, lack of physical strength, fatigue. Finances, relationships with our spouse, family, friend, with ourselves even. Abuse, and that can be mental abuse, it can be physical abuse, and it can be present or it can be historical. Time, and this is probably one of my biggest giants. You know, sometimes time can just seem to be against us. There's not enough of it. We don't, you know, we don't use it well, all of those things. Addiction. We often think of that as just in terms of substance abuse, so alcohol and drugs. But what about the more subtle things we're addicted to? How about how much time we spend on our mobile phones? How about how much time we spend um, just obsessing over social media? And what about being addicted maybe to the approval of other people? Work. So maybe not having work is your giant. Maybe you're unhappy in the job you have. Or you might just be working too much or have situations at work causing you stress and worry. Bullying, which we've already talked about. Bullies don't just exist in the lives of our young people. They're live and well in the adult world too, sadly. Pride, self-doubt. And I think, you know, stress is probably one of the biggest modern day uh, giants that we face. It's, again, it's one of my biggest. So we've all got so many responsibilities and uh, things pulling on our time that can very quickly become very overwhelming. And in my case, you just chuck in a bit of a perfectionist streak in there as well. And then it's always a disaster waiting to happen. (laughs) So I would just like to then give you some tips on how God has been taking me through this and how we can face our giants and win. And there are many more than four, but I realize that we've probably all got roast dinners in the oven and places to be. So these are kind of like the four really top ones, but I'd encourage you to go away and do a bit of study on this as well yourselves. Um, If it's all right with Pete, we can send around some material and some um, other kind of further sermons which have been done on this subject. Um, A great guy called Louis Giglow of Passion Church had the blessing of six hours and 30 minutes to talk about this subject. So, (laughs) you know, he's done some great work there. But I'd like to look first of all then at these four steps to growing our faith in God. And you know that faith, faith, that is really the key to becoming a giant slayer in all of this. So let's start. Step number one. Maybe we'll say these together. Step number one. Remember the situations God has brought you through. Now, David was just a shepherd boy. He spent much of his time in the fields tending to and protecting his sheep. But when Saul questions his ability to kill the giant, David refers to the experiences that God has already brought him through. He talks about the lions and he talks about the bears that he has killed. But who does he give the glory to for these? The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Now, David wasn't saying, hey, Saul, look, I can kill lions and bears. I'm really strong. I can do that. Let me at this giant and I'll show you how strong I am. What he was saying was, hey, Saul. My God is bigger than the lions and bears I have faced. 
He helped me kill them. So I have faith that he will bring me, help me to bring down this giant. It's a very different perspective on how we can see things. Now, when we are in difficult situations, and I speak from experience here, it's usually within our nature to concentrate on how big and how daunting and how scary that giant is. It seems to loom in front of us, baring its teeth, usually shouting the same things at us that Goliath shouted to the Israelites. And we act then, more often than not, like the Israelite soldiers. We're cowering in terror at the words and the situation that we are in. The enemy always likes us to believe his biggest lie, that he is stronger and bigger than God. Now, I love this picture and I love what it says. David didn't need to know Goliath's strength because he already knew God's. We need to draw on those times when God has helped us through, knowing that although our circumstances may change, the character of God remains the same. So if he saved you then, he will save you now. Like David, we too need to remember to give the glory to God every time he brings us through. From the smallest victory up to the biggest victory. And it's also really important to remember that although the giant may seem real and scary or like a comfortable best friend, that they are already dead. Jesus overcame all of the enemy's schemes and ways on the cross and death and all of its giants were killed right there and then. Now, although they may seem real and feel real, I don't want to take away these feelings from you today, church. I know that these things can seem real to us and they can seem scary. They're nothing more than a situation or a circumstance that God can and will bring us through if we allow him to take over. Sometimes we just need to do, don't we, what Psalm 4610 says, and be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Which brings us on to step number two. Say this one together. Know God's voice. David had many voices talking to him in this situation. Telling him mostly that he couldn't defeat the giant. Goliath shouted at him. Saul didn't believe him. And even his own brother didn't stand with him. But it didn't matter to David. Why? Because he knew exactly who God was and what God's voice sounded like. And he knew that none of them were speaking with God's voice. How did he know this? I came across this picture um, through the blessed Google. And uh, it really does (laughs) sum up, doesn't it? This is what God's voice sounds like. God's voice calms comforts, convicts, encourages, enlightens, 
leads, reassures, and stills. There's many more we can add to that. Satan's voice, however, obsesses and worries and condemns and discourages and confuses and it pushes and it frightens and it rushes. The Israelites, even though they were trained for battle and David wasn't, even though they knew God and Goliath didn't, chose to listen and believe in the voice of Goliath rather than the voice of the God who brought them out of the wilderness. From when Satan very first convinced Eve to bite the apple, God's people have at times chosen to listen to the voice of the prince of lies instead of listening to the voice of the God of truth. Now, there are many scriptures which talk about God's voice. I love this one here from Job 37.5. God's voice is glorious in the thunder. We can't even imagine the greatness of his power. Or this one here. This one's from Isaiah 30.21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. How do we learn then to separate God's voice from all of these other voices that we hear? By knowing who he is and his nature so that we can weigh everything, so we can kind of balance and see whether we believe it or not, everything which is said to us. We need to read about him in his word. We need to know how much he loves us and to pinch uh, Pete saying he loves us because he loves us because he loves us. Read the Psalms that David wrote and you can learn to understand the deep intimacy that he had with God. Now, did David always get everything right? Well, if we read further on in Samuel, we'll probably get the picture. No, that he didn't. But through it all, one thing never changed. He knew who God was and he knew his identity in God. Which brings us on to step number three. Are we ready? Know whose army you belong to. Now, firstly, in order to know whose army we belong to, we need to first recognize that there is even a battle. The story of David and Goliath gives us a very clear picture of two armies facing each other on a battlefield. Now, Goliath fought with the Philistines who worshipped many gods and idols, and then the army of the living God, the Israelites. We need to understand that we are a part of a battle too. We might not be able to see it, but we are. We are either then with Goliath or we are with David. We are either with Satan or we are with God. There's no middle ground in this battle. In Ephesians verse 6, sorry, Ephesians 6 verse 12 tells us exactly uh, what we as God's army are fighting against. And we read this. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in 
the heavenly places. And it finishes with, the battle is real. However, as John spoke about last week, there is hope. There is always hope. Because in 1 John 4, we read this. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Which leads nicely then into step number four, which is wear the full armor of God. Wear the full armor of God. If we recognize firstly that we are in a battle, then we need to prepare as a soldier would for battle. So what does a soldier then in God's army look like? Well, as it was uh, National Women's Week this uh, or day this week, I tried to find a lady dressed up in uh, as as a as a um, Roman soldier, but they were very inappropriate. So I've, <laughs> I've had to go with this. <laughs> Um, so in Ephesians 6, 10 to uh, 10, 17, Paul just paints a picture for us of what a soldier of God looks like. And he starts by saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. So we have to put on, physically put on, the helmet of salvation. Know that Jesus is your salvation. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. Hold up the shield of faith in front of you. Why? Paul says to protect ourselves from the fiery arrows of the devil. And finally, and I think this is the one that God really wants highlighted this morning. We need to sharpen the swords of the spirit. It means we need to know God's word. How did Jesus defeat the enemy in the wilderness? He knew the word of God. Why did Eve eat the apple? Because she didn't know the word of God well enough. And when the serpent came and just twisted that word of God just a tiny bit, She believed him. If we wear the full armor of God, there's no giant in this world that can defeat us. Now, sadly, I don't have more time today to go completely into the armor of God. That's a separate sermon entirely. But I would encourage you to look at Ephesians 6 again and just ask God to show you how to really apply it to your life. No matter what your giant comes at you with or looks like, our God is bigger and stronger and more able. Now, I realize that this may have brought to the surface some uncomfortable issues for some of us today, and it's only right that we have some space and time to respond to that. But I believe that just like Goliath came out for 40 days and 49th and taunted God's army. Just as the devil tempted Jesus for 40 days in the desert, 
And just as the Israelites walked in the wilderness for 40 years, I believe that some of us, and in some ways as a church, we have been walking in a time of 40, which is a time of trial, a time of testing, and a time of distress. But just as God delivered Jesus from the desert, the Israelites into the promised land, and rescue David from Goliath. He wants to slay our giants and move us into a time of deliverance and a time of blessing. 